This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Welcome to Thank the Maker, a podcast about heroes, princesses, scoundrels, hokey religions, ancient weapons, and all things Star Wars. I'm your host, Adam Russell. And I'm your host, Nick Ganbarian. Unfortunately, Ryan, still dead. Can't bring him back. It takes so long to revive someone from death. I know. We're thinking about cloning him, but I'm in touch with his force ghost. Maybe we can get his force ghost next week. <laughs> we'll see. We'll talk to his force ghost publicist. <laughs> <laughs> force publicist ghost. <laughs> But this time, instead of a duo cast, we have a sub, someone who you should be familiar with if you listen to the past few episodes, our friend Mike Forrester, a.k.a. Hondo Supply. They keep bringing me back. I'm back. (laughs) Are you also known as Hondo Supply, or do you feel like that's just your company name? I feel like people call you Hondo, like, in the chat and stuff. What do you th- how do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, at some point, you, it, it, I'm just growing. It's part of the brand. We're just growing brand awareness, right? Yeah. We're just keeping it going. At this point. Armor party, right. Hondo supply. Right. It's, it's, Hondo is way cooler than just Mike. <laughs> hey, so it's I'm, Mike. Yeah, it's just Mike. It, the Hondo would be way better on my business card. So, yeah, well, keep it going. All right. Well, hi. Hey. Welcome to here. <laughs> <laughs> You're here now. <laughs> I'm live from Portland instead of Michigan, which is fun. You're traveling for work, not for not for Hondo Supply, for your stupid day job. Yeah. We yeah. asked you to guest host, and you were like, hold on, let me fly to Portland and do it from there real quick. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make it complicated. And I bought a microphone because that's how dedicated I am to <laughs> the Thank the Maker Network. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah. Mike Forrester, host of Armor Party, part of the Thank the Maker Network. Yes. Sounds so official altogether in one sentence. Okay, so we are here today to talk about, we apologize for not being more just like in the moment with this, but we're finally talking about The Bad Batch, season one, episodes one and two, actually. We just did it all together because it came out on a Tuesday, the fourth, on a Tuesday, and then we usually record on a Tuesday. So it's just, you know, not enough turnaround time, and we wanted to really make sure we gave this what it deserves. So we took some more time. We got episodes one and two together, what, like 90 minutes worth of stuff, right? 95 minutes? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I'm pumped. What do you guys think? Which I got to say, hell yes to. I wish that was every week. Yeah. Dude, the the first episode, I I found myself checking the time because, you know, if I'm fully in something, I don't check the time. But sometimes I'm like, oh God, I I just don't want this to end. Please don't be the end yet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this was that. And I was so delighted when I hit it to see it was like 50% through and I was all like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a good feeling. So sick. What did you guys think overall? Uh, I, I loved it. I mean, I, I really, it felt so good. I, whenever, you know, the last couple of months have been dominated by Marvel shows and it feels so good to not be that committed to them because I could just be like, so that's what happened. Cool. Not <laughs> yeah. like I have no, you know, thought I'm just like, thank you for the story. Goodbye. So going into this, I was like, it's star Wars, but I'm not freaking out about it. 
I don't know if that means I'm like not looking forward to it or whatever. I just don't know what to expect. So I'm I'm so happy. I don't want to like overstate it or be like I'm blown away, whatever. Like that hasn't happened yet, but I'm happily surprised that it's better and surpassed the little expectations I had for it so far. Yeah, I think the, you know, having that original arc of them in the early episodes of the final season, I didn't really feel, I was like, yeah, this is a cool story. It's a cool subline. But obviously the last few episodes of the final season of Clone Wars just dominates everything else from that whole season. Mm -hmm. Overshadows, yeah. A hundred percent. So I I was kind of like, you know, when I saw the announcement of the Bad Batch, I felt the same, Nick. It's like, yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. It's like them? But now, yeah, right. And now (laughs) I'm super excited to have to dive deeper into them and this era of star Wars is some of my favorite Yeah, that post the fall of the, of the Republic and then the, the rise of the empire is some of my favorite era. So I'm, I'm, I feel the same way. These are for sure that the first two episodes, that's what I'm most excited about. I thought the, the crew overall was much more likable than their clone wars arc. So that's really exciting, but already seeing the, transition into the empire i'm like that's what this whole series needs to be please make it be that yeah (laughs) that'll be so kick-ass dude what's cool though is we know that it that that's what's happening right we know there's that transition that's the only thing though that we can kind of predict and Mm -hmm. say oh we know we're gonna eventually see an ot trooper helmet we're gonna eventually see an ot tie fighter all the stuff that's gonna kind of bring us up to rebels, essentially, maybe. Yeah. But aside from that, we have no idea what's happening. Whereas, as much as we love the Clone Wars, like the final arc was like, we know exactly how it ends. What are they going to show us leading up to it? Mm-hmm. But now it's like the stakes are so high. I, all throughout the first episode, I was literally on the edge of my seat. Like, any of these people could die. Yeah. Anything could happen. <laughs> and it's so exciting to not know the ending. It's cool. It's cool to like, Clone Wars, they did a great job going into Revenge of the Sith, which I never thought they would do. It always seemed like storytelling-wise, it had to go up to Revenge of the Sith, not into it. Right. So, killer job there. But we, hey, fellas, we got like 18 years of before A New Hope right now. Yeah. Not 18 years before Rebels, but like, you know, some stuff happens between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope that is already taken care of that they'll have to weave around, like, you know, Solo and rebels and stuff like that but yeah there's a lot of time here where they could do a lot of stuff that i don't want to say doesn't matter it'll matter to the bad batch in the show but it might not affect the overall original trilogy like what they're going into because there's so much time they could have like a full-on who knows like something that happens that's massive but is when it's done it's done it doesn't affect the original trilogy yeah right and the and fallen order um which i think is probably the most prominent tie-in you know it starts off with on a planet called braca that's uh basically a former it's an imperial shipyard where they're decommissioning all of the republic stuff Mm -hmm. and then eventually later in the game which isn't really a spoiler but you 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 see these clone helmets and they reference that these clones were here not that long ago and so Mm. it's really it's been a treat I think for people who have really consumed Star Wars media, the little tie-in of the the transport shuttle, which we'll get into, and you know, there's all these little throwbacks between. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's been such an Easter egg fest for people who yeah. have consumed all the mediums that are available right now, especially for this era. So it's it's awesome. The, and the opening scene when you realize 
who the young yeah, Padawan yeah. is or the Jedi is. It's, it's so awesome. And yeah. they said the names and you went, whoa. Yeah. It's so good. I was I was uh, watching an interview with uh, Brad Rao. He's kind of like the new Filoni for animation, I feel like. Like Filoni created all this stuff, but I like feel a like- a showrunner. Supervising director, yeah. Yeah, like, so I was watching an interview with him about Bad Batch and he definitely said like, expect characters that you know to pop Dope. up like surprises. So I think that he means- beyond fennec and rex because we those they're in the trailer so right. yeah hey maybe it's cal you know like who there's right. people out How there that would, that would be, be very very sick to wind up in this show all right well let's get in uh to some details and then we'll get into solo plans so we're talking about episodes one and two aftermath called aftermath because it it's order 66 and the aftermath right cut and run um it's shorter we'll get into what that's about the um a few differences before we just little stuff that's fun to talk about the opening star wars disney uh whatever you call that kind of like the pre-roll the pre-roll yeah the thing that we saw for the first time with the mandalorian with the uh yeah. the disney star wars kind of shadowed helmet intro reveal thing that's been updated mm -hmm. there's now an animation version before it was uh vader bb8 3po kylo ren r2 an x-wing helmet uh first order helmet and a scout trooper bucket Mando, yeah. Now it is the animated version of Grievous, a hard-to-identify helmet. It's, a, a I, from what I could read, people helped me because I knew it was an X-Wing helmet, but that didn't make sense because of this is, was an animation-only yeah. thing. It was an X-Wing helmet from Bucket, who's a droid on Resistance. Oh, word, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then Chopper, then Crosshair's helmet, then the Commando battle droid, like the the faster, you know, almost like little skinny Terminator kind. Mm -hmm. uh, Wrecker's helmet, Ezra's cadet helmet, uh, slash, what is that? Oh, yeah, I think we, Mike and I were talking earlier. I think it's an ATDP and not necessarily Ezra's cadet helmet, okay. ATDP helmet. Cadet yeah. helmets don't have the emblem, yeah. uh, the insignia on it, and the DPs are a little, have a little bit more of a stormtrooper gotcha. to them and smaller eyes, yeah. Then Bo-Katan's helmet, and lastly, Hunter's helmet. Yeah. I w I've tried so hard to identify all of them. They, there's a lot more than the live action version, and they're they're up for like half a second each, and they transition into each other. Yeah. First of all, there's more in the same amount of time, so the, the transition is just like so fast. Yeah. And it's animation, so I'm not like as, uh, you know, the ATDP helmet. I'm like, wait, what? Who? Oh, <laughs> I know I've seen it. What is it? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, so that was cool. Good little detail. And then... On the first episode only, the opening title card, instead of just saying the Bad Batch, it does like we saw in the trailer, I guess, or in the teaser, where it shows the Clone Wars logo, and then it kind of burns away to the Bad Batch logo. Sweet. Followed by a Clone Wars news bulletin-style intro with the same, uh, mm -hmm. what, what's his name? Tom Kane. Tom Kane, yeah. Giving us another version of that Order 66, you know, like a... Uh, Kenobi's engaged General Grievous kind of like time frame look at it. Mm -hmm. And then into episode two, we're beyond that. We've got a new kind of, yeah. so a, a little music piece and you just get straight into it. Yeah. The way I took that is it was still the Clone Wars. Yeah. You know, so I was just like, oh, cool. I mean, obviously it's a good way to transition for people who watched the Clone Wars and don't know what this is. But technically that time the story they were about to tell for like the first 10, 15 minutes of this episode was still the Clone Wars. 
All right, let's get into stolen plans. What have you done with those plans? Like we said earlier, The Bad Batch debuted May 4th, 2021 on a Tuesday. Episode 2, the following Friday, same week, on the 7th. Created and executive produced by Dave Filoni. Head writer on this is Jennifer Corbett, who had worked on Star Wars Resistance. She also wrote a bunch on NCIS and some other network TV stuff. Supervising director, like Nick mentioned earlier, Brad Rao, who had worked on Rebels, Resistance, and Forces of Destiny. Runtime on the first episode is 70 minutes, 31 minutes on episode two, which will probably be all of them around that 30-minute mark. Last time I checked, a solid nine on IMDb for this. Well-deserved. Hell yeah, Star Wars fans. Yep, yep. So far, 93% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 93% audience score. All right, Star Wars fans. Crushing. Let's do it. Starring D. Bradley Baker as like 100 people, <laughs> as usual. Um, Archie Punjabi as Depa Balaba for the first, I don't know, five minutes. Right. Freddie Prinze Jr., spoiler, as Caleb Doom, who goes on, of course, to become uh, Kanan Jarrus in Rebels. Uh, Michelle Ang does the voice of Omega. And Matthew Wood... Old Matthew Wood back to be uh, the battle droids for the, their brief appearance before they all get chopped up. And then we also get, actually, he's credited, but it's, um, you know, it's just, it's a clip from Revenge of the Sith. Ian McDermott as the Emperor, the exact clip from his, um, his Senate announcement, hey, I'm, I'm the Emperor now, it's an empire, everyone suck one. <laughs> What's he doing? He just, vo- I mean, Palpatine has to be in this enough for him to just voice it. Yeah. Just do it. Do it, yeah. dude. Come on. Do it. Do it. <laughs> you know, and you know he's about it. He just, he's always just hamming it up. Like, yeah. when he was at Celebration, you know he loves this shit. Yeah. I, I hope he shows up. I, I hope we keep getting things like that. I hope we keep checking in with the, you know, the remaining clone troopers and mm-hmm. the, uh, what do you call them, conscripts? The uh, conscripted, yeah. The yeah. conscripted Actually, soldiers, I, I, yeah. I did look that word up because at this point, like I've always, you know, context clues understood what it meant, but it also sounded to me in my head, conscription meant like sounded like take a normal person and brainwash them a little bit. Yeah. But it's not. It just literally means like a normal person recruited into an army. So yeah, it's a little bit less of a mm-hmm. heavy word than I thought. Yeah. So Disney Plus describes this Star Wars The Bad Batch as a series that follows the elite and experimental clones of The Bad Batch first introduced in The Clone Wars, as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of The Clone War. Members of The Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones who vary genetically from their brothers in the clone army, each possess a singular exceptional skill that makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and a formidable crew. And you would never guess what each one does based on their name. You just have no idea. (laughs) Wait, wait, I'm going to give you guys Bad Batch names. You ready? Adam. Hoster. You're the host, Mike Ge- Guest Guester. Yeah, and I'll be uh, uh, toy collection guy, co- collector. I'm the collector. <laughs> the collector. <laughs> and Drew could be the producer. Yeah. Oh yeah, there we go. Producer. We're so creative, dude. Yeah, I'm about to write a it's show. Like the, it's just like first thing it comes to my mind right away. Just easy. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, like we talked about earlier, we were introduced to these uh, these characters in the first arc of season seven of the Clone Wars. Those first three episodes were, were all about these dudes pretty much. And yet they, they interacted with Rex and everyone else, but they were uh, 
they were big. We also meet a character named Omega, who we'll talk about a little bit later, or a lot later. She fits sort of that general, um, not cliche, not archetype, but just like a younger character like Ezra or Ahsoka that comes in just young and enthusiastic. And at first you're like, who's this kid, dude? I'm going to punch this kid. (laughs) But very quickly proves theirself as someone who's key to the story and the crew. And I feel like Omega goes from a half hour, goes from like, who's this little kid who's just all up in everybody's business to, all right, sweet. She's on the team. Sick. I kind of like as far as much as I love Ezra and Ahsoka, I actually think the introduction of Omega is better than the introduction of Ezra or Ahsoka. Yeah. Like immediately having a child be like, oh, here we go again. It's going to be annoying like Ezra or Ahsoka. And it was not. She's awesome. Good job. I feel like Omega's Omega had some reminiscent vibes of Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. in the way of saying, you know, oh, you guys are Clone Order 60, you know, you're Clone Force 99. Luke looking at- You know the rebellion against the Empire? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And yeah, right. And and so like, you know, you have these like starry eyes and then the chance to to prove it, right? In the in the mess hall. At the beginning, you're like, oh, okay. Like she's just going to sit here and annoy them for the next hour of this episode. Right. And then in the mess hall, you're like, let's party. She's She's <laughs> down to clown. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like, you know, very quickly she established this, that she was going to be the, you know, the, the, the next member of the, of the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I loved, I love the tenacity of her and I love the curiosity and I love the way that they handle, especially we will get into it on for episode two, but that, that scene of her just touching soil for the first time when your whole yeah. planet is covered underwater was, was beautiful. Yeah. It reminiscent of Ray seeing so much green, you know? Yeah. Same kind of vibes. Or uh, characters in the movie Waterworld, uh, all the way at the end. <laughs> the, the smokers. The smokers really got in the way of that one. Uh, Kevin Kiner is back to score this and crushing. Dude oh, just man. keeps getting better. Yeah. It's well, amazing. He brought in the, the, the one thing I noticed, you know, once the quote-unquote Clone Wars part of the episode ended i feel like you started to bring in more and more of that like synthy undertone which was in the final arc of the clone wars so i'm so happy that that seems like it's back and is going to be a part of this because we're in a dark time and what is what emotes uh like musically uh like a dark feeling more than just synthy undertones it's so good right let's talk about the characters again Mm -hmm. briefly to catch anyone up who wasn't paying close enough attention. Or if, if you're listening to this and you haven't watched yet, first, shame on you. Uh, <laughs> but secondly, here are the characters. Spoiler alert. Clone Force 99 is what they're officially known as. Oh, Drew, you're one of those people. You son of a bitch. <laughs> A.K.A. The Bad Batch. Unofficially known as The Bad Batch. Hunter, who is basically Rambo, mm-hmm. but actually I found out recently was, oh, what's the character he was modeled after? Um, from Predator. The dude, um, I think he's Native Native American. Oh, uh, he, yeah. He cuts across his chest with a big Bowie knife, you know? Yeah. Uh, he, he recognizes that there's something in the woods. That, yes, that dude. Uh, Forgot his yeah, name. He looks, into the, he looks into the jungle. I got to look yeah. it up. He was officially modeled after that dude. Tech, who is the tech dude. He's Donatello. Wrecker, he's the big, you know, the muscle dude. Crosshair, he's <laughs> the sniper. Uh, he was officially Billy. There you go, Drew. Billy yep. from Predator. Um, 
Crosshair was modeled after somebody. I saw somebody uh, post on Instagram a breakdown of all of this. I'm blowing it now. And then Echo, who was um, the clone in, in season seven, we, we, we find Echo um, used as a tool by the Separatists. He's, he's been fully automated. Yeah, he's all f***ed up. He's more machine now than man. You know, he's got the computer interface arm and all the stuff. So he's the most classic clone trooper in that sense. He's unmodified otherwise. He's not proportionally different. His face, other than being a little... More pale. Pale. Gaunt. He's a little emaciated. Yeah, Yeah, other than that, he, he looks and sounds more like the kind of classic clone troopers than anyone. And then Omega, who we talked about, we'll get into specifically who she is and why she is she becomes part of the Bad Batch. Lama Sue, one of the Kaminoan um, characters that we met in episode two, Attack of the Clones, the Prime Minister of Kamino, Nalase, who's the chief medical scientist. The two of them are super key, actually, in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So it, it's good to point out them as characters here because, as we'll talk about later, they do things that are, to me, were unexpected. The way they they support and help the Bad Batch and Omega. They were pretty shady in the Clone Wars yeah. cartoon. Mm-hmm. They were like pretty neutral in the film, but I don't know. Yeah, to me, I, I feel like maybe now they feel like they're getting, you know, stabbed in the back. So they're yeah. like, oh yeah, watch this. Right. Watch my long neck go. You feel <laughs> like they're, they, they know that they're, whatever they've been doing, selling the clone army, like they feel backed into a corner now. And that, yeah. that there was very, the tension of them talking with Tarkin was so great because mm-hmm. Tarkin just, he clearly had already had his mind made up. And yeah. at this point, he's just using every option he can to prove that the clones are ineffective for the Galactic Empire. Yeah. So I thought that was a great set of dialogue. And Tarkin, yeah. Now at this point, Admiral Tarkin, he's acting very much like the Grand Moff Tarkin that we know from A New Hope. He's fully like, he's on that just ruthless, you know, um, military leader, borderline uh, dictator kind of vibe that we know from the original trilogy. Mm -hmm. And we have to obviously, I know we don't speculate on the show, but clearly he did something to become Grand Moff. And maybe that's something that we talk about or theorize, but that I thought that was also very important that they said that he's Admiral Tarkin, not Grand Moff by the Mm -hmm. time we meet him in A New Hope. All right, let's do a quick kind of plot overview, and then we'll get into some more discussion. So episode one, Aftermath, opens with another angle of Order 66, like we talked about. We see the clones turn on Jedi Depa Balaba. I felt really cool and really Star Wars knowledgeable when I heard her name and saw her. (laughs) Yeah, but it's only because we recently talked about her that I knew her <laughs> yeah. name and knew that <laughs> Caleb was her Padawan. So as soon as I heard her name and saw her, I was like, "No way, they're doing it! Holy shit, right, right out of the gate, they're doing it!" Well, hopefully, our our listeners now are like, "I know who that is." I know. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> um, so we see a young Padawan, Caleb Doom, on the planet of Kaler. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, we see the clones turn. We see you know Order sixty six execute Order sixty six happen, and the clones turn on her. She tells Caleb, run, get out of here. She gets killed. Caleb goes into hiding, we assume, later. Like we said, he eventually becomes, he changes his name and becomes Kanan Jarrus. I I assume that's the last we see of him in in this series. Yeah. Yeah. I was wondering as it was happening, like, are are we going to spend more time with him? But he gone. Yeah. Pulled that sick Jedi force jump across the the canyon. 
What a beautiful shot, huh? Yeah. It was awesome. It was it was a little similar to Ahsoka and Maul in like the oh, Mandalorian yeah. like throne room. Right. Where it was just like a really wide shot, but beautiful. Love it. The Bad Batch uh, are mostly unaffected by Order 66, which I think most of us kind of expected, you know, predicting what this would be. Their mutations, turns out, seem to have overpowered or kind of short-circuited in a way, or uh, at least, I don't know, made the inhibitor chips not as effective. Except for Crosshair, who seems to be slightly affected. Right. Not a full turn, but he's, he's like, struggling with it. He repeats that line, too. Yeah, Good soldiers, soldiers followers. Order. Yeah. Yeah. On Camino, uh, we meet, like we mentioned earlier, another altered clone. It turns out Omega. She's a little girl. We don't know how old she is, right? But we assume no. she's, I don't know, probably 12, 10. Well, I don't know. I, like there's accelerated growth and stuff like that. I never know how old any clone is. Yeah. They're like five years yeah, old. Except for Boba. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> Boba's unaltered. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Dude, what if she's Boba's sister? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Are we going down this rabbit hole? Let's not speculate. We'll, the, sar- we'll, the Sarlacc pit. We'll, we'll talk about this in the after show. All right. I just got excited. Yeah. Um, you got to say, when thing, you know, especially at our advanced age, if I think of something <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, I'll remember that later. It's like, no, nope. will not. I Drew, sure make an actual not. note. Put it on a post-it <laughs> or in one of those little uh, day planners that old people keep. Yeah. Write it in that until later. <laughs> Today, I had an idea. I write a note and like pin it to my t-shirt today i passed a healthy <laughs> stool uh she uh omega seems almost immediately kind of drawn and connected to the bad batch big fan yeah she knows that they're kind of outcasts. she feels kind of like an outcast and she's immediately just like hey guys what are you doing can i hang out they're bros they're siblings let's call them siblings tarkin shows up on camino informing lamasu that the empire doesn't want to use clone troopers anymore. They're going to move towards conscripted recruits. Tarkin was never a fan of clones. We learned that in the Clone Wars. Was it the one where they were... Breaking out of the... I think they were breaking out Citadel? of the... Citadel? Citadel, yeah. 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 He's not down. He's a dick. He actually questions whether or not the Bad Batch executed Order 66. He's skeptical. He says the Jedi uh, on Kalor were not confirmed dead, so he's he's got an idea that Someone like Kanan is still out there. The whole, I mean, the whole, he's just a bad guy. He's skeptical, like it. And until I see bodies, sorry, I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. Well, he said, he said only one was confirmed dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and I think he, he, he referenced, I'm, I assume Crosshair, that somebody said that a Padawan got away. So it must have been Crosshair. In their report, I believe. Yeah. 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 So he says one of, one of their own mm-hmm. reported an inconsistency. So I think, yeah, he's well aware that there's something off with the Bad Badge. So to test the clone's loyalty, Tarkin sends them on a mission. Well, at first he puts them through like a, a, a training thing back in the old training facility, shooting live fire at them. That's messed up. Mm-hmm. But they kick ass as usual. But then he sends them on a mission to snuff out a group of, quote, insurgents on Onderon. We know Onderon from the Clone Wars, where the sort of original rebels were trained by Anakin and Rex that's where, of course, Saw Gerrera is. They go on to find that. He says these insurgents are separatist force, blah, blah, blah. But they get there and find there are no droids, there are no separatists. It's just Saw and a bunch of just people, kids, you know, men, women, children, the whole thing. All of them, except for Crosshair, of course, because he's, I mean, early indicated that he shit's going to go down with him. He's like half Order 66, which is yeah. 33. He's Order 33. <laughs> nice. They realized that they were sent there under false pretense. 
there were no weapons of mass destruction. Crosshair wants to just follow orders, complete the mission, but Hunter just keeps telling him to stand down. And he's like, what's wrong with you? You're not fit to lead. You know, there's, there's conflict kind of right off the bat. They find a probe droid who is spying on them. It's just all these red flags. Like, this is not right, right? We shouldn't trust Tarkin. We can't be down with this Empire stuff. So they end up going back to Kamino. They want to get Omega because they spent some time with her. Like we talked about in the mess hall there. They had a connection. I think from the very beginning of meeting Omega, Hunter has some sort of instinct, as he will. His his That's kind of his thing. He has this instinctual... I don't know, instinct, instinctual yeah. instinct. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's his, his mutation. But uh, he, he feels something about Omega. So they actually go back to get Omega. And, and also note that is an Imperial probe droid that we see most famously in Empire Strike. Yeah, yeah, straight up that model. We're like, we're, we're like moving right into it, which I love. <laughs> so they get there. Shit kind of gets weird. They end up being captured. They're being imprisoned, but they escape. With uh, with Omega's help, their team. But I guess before they escape, they come to take uh, some troopers. Come to take Crosshair. They take him into the same. I guess the, kind of like the same med bay, right? Where they uh, where Rex had his chip removed. It's, I mean, it's on Camino. Yeah, so it looked pretty similar. Yeah. So they Tarkin has his chip just like juiced up fully. You know, he's fully Order sixty six. You know, they basically convert Crosshair to a full villain. So they escape, but as they're you know, they're in the hangar. They're trying to get their ship and get out. Crosshair shows up with a squad of troopers fully blacked out in bad guy trooper armor. And they shoot it out. Omega comes in with a clinch save, like Sergeant Al Powell at the end of Die Hard. <laughs> Blasts Crosshair, shoots his rifle right out of his hand. They all escape. But they also, as they're trying to get out, they're trying to shut the hangar bay doors. But now let's say, they, well, both the Kaminoans... They disable remotely, I guess, the hangar bay doors. Bad Batch, they get out. We'll discuss that motivation later, probably. And then their plan is, now that they've escaped, they're going to go to um, J-19. That's all they call the planet. Where they have a friend who can help, where they can lay low. They jump to light speed. And uh, that's the end of the episode. And it's great. Yeah. We went over it for three or four minutes just now. But, I mean, 70 minutes was not bored at all. You know, we, we kind of brushed over a whole food fight scene which you would be like, a food fight scene in Star Wars, I quit. But no, <laughs> yeah. it's awesome. It, it was fun. It is know? awesome. It was a good time. And there's also, there's a great moment, a great like quote in there by Wrecker, which is actually in our favorite quotes poll. It's all great stuff. Like er, every scene in this is great character development. There's not a moment wasted. And for like the first episode of a cartoon series, like compare this to the first episode of the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. This is, yeah, right. this is great. I think one thing too that I, that you know, being that producer Drew hasn't uh, seen Bad Batch yet, but just I I think you actually in a weird way don't even need to see Clone Wars to already know what's going on in Bad Batch. I agree. I've been yeah, I've been telling people just dive in. It's wild that they could do that. You know, there's definitely going to be some. It's just this like duality of Star Wars storytelling these days is where it's like it has to be nerdy enough for the nerds and easy enough to understand for like everybody else, and it's like they been walking that line to varying varying success depending on what you know mandalorian or sequels or whatever but uh yeah i mean they they really they really killed it with this because they, they're making me who i'm gonna like it no matter what but i think i love it already which is great 
I think it comes down to the impact too, right? So if when we see the inevitable meetup of the Bad Batch with Rex, Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen Clone Wars, you're going to go, oh, it's a new character. This is cool. He has cool armor and clearly there's a backstory. The same way that people who weren't really big Star Wars fans didn't feel that oomph when Bo-Katan showed up. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, but the but the the story still works because the characters they the dialogue works just enough that they explain what they need to explain. And if you know you're not feeling this huge wave of nostalgia, it still holds up. Um, mm-hmm. And something else too that I wanted to point out, Adam, when we see Crosshair again, he has new armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's very reminiscent of the Imperial death troopers, especially that, that chest. So I think already we are starting, and and you notice too, the clones besides the, the red and white shock trooper, what would normally were the Coruscant guards, I believe they're starting to strip all Mm -hmm. of the color and all of the ranking off of these troopers. So we are fully into the transition here. And I think I'm super excited to see that, but I noticed that was a, 100% 100% design decision to say that the Imperial Death Troopers are obviously they they protect high profile people within the Empire. Crosshair is exactly that kind of you know he might be the original Death Trooper, yeah, which would be so sick to see. Speaking of like stripping away the color and individuality in that in that like cafeteria food fight scene, all the clones all have the same exact haircut. They all actually look like clones. There's no individuality there, and you would know better mm-hmm. than me, but. They're all helmetless, but that armor looks more. Is that is that clone armor, or does that starting to lean more into like stormtrooper armor? It looked very yeah. stormtroopery to me. Yeah, it's it looks like it's been it's what would be considered a you know phase two clone, and mm-hmm. then I think it's essentially at this point turning transitioning, and and it's also you know we're looking at the difference too of when we saw a lot of these transitional characters in. Rebels, which is a different animation style yeah. too. So I think we're going to start really seeing the shape and we're going to start seeing the helmets round out more because the you know clone buckets were really tall and they, they had a, a certain a, a height to them. And I think we're going to start to see those. I don't think we're going to see them as exaggerated as they were in Rebels, but mm-hmm. you're, it's, I'm so excited to see Imperial armor in this style of animation. Yeah. I mean, it's got to yeah. be more real, like more, you know, as opposed to Rebels was exaggerated because that's the animation right. style, but I would assume Clone Wars, uh, a Clone Wars version of a original trilogy Stormtrooper is going to be pretty dead on. Yeah, and we saw the, I think we saw Snowtroopers at the end. We, actually, we did. We saw a couple of, yeah, yeah. Uh, we saw a couple of Stormtroopers at the end of, of season mm-hmm. seven. So they clearly have the models already and it's just a matter of time before we start to really see that official transition. Exciting. So you'll be covering this in depth on your podcast on Armor Party, probably by the end of the season, all the differences and breaking it down, right? Well, our first guest, John Rodriguez, is one of the first approved clone hunters. Uh, he's one of the first, he was the second approved Bad Batch member. And watching his process of breaking down how we're seeing more and more of these characters has been awesome. And it's, yeah, I'm, I, we're going to see so many Bad Batch cosplay. I'm, I'm all in. Sick. I'm going to be Omega. All right, let's talk about episode two, Cut and Run. So the Bad Batch arrive on a planet called Seleucami to meet former clone trooper Cut. LaQuain is apparently his last name. Did they say that? LaQuain. 
Uh, I don't remember if they said it, but or is it just like a, a Wikipedia yeah, article? Kinda. Probably. Look, Laquane. It just it makes me think of uh, what's the name in <laughs> Quaid in uh, Total Recall. Oh, yeah. Quaid. <laughs> we have to give them the air. Get your ass to Mars. Uh, <laughs> a Total Recall podcast. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we're. I think we're up to like three movies so far. Waterworld. Yeah, Waterworld was a deep cut, Nick. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that movie. That's a good movie. If I'm not me, who the hell am I? <laughs> we first met Cut in season two, episode 10 of The Clone Wars. That episode was actually called The Deserter. Cut was a clone who deserted. He wanted a life of his own. Was there like explanation of why? Or was he just in, in a way like a defective clone as well, essentially, like you assume? Defective in the sense that he didn't follow. Do not remember. I think there was some backstory in which like he was the only surviving member of his troop that basically got annihilated. And so I think rather oh. than trying to regroup, he was like, I'm just going to go and survive. Yeah. I mean, I remember him having some reasons of like, you know, it's like, I'm fighting a war. I don't even care for, you know, like that type right. of thing. Right. Yeah. Point being, he's, he has a wife and two kids. He's just living a simple farm life. He's out there just trying to chill and lay low and not be discovered because there are hundreds of thousands, if not a couple million by this point, twins of him. So, he has to lay low and grow sideburns, apparently. That'll do it. Farming. A man of his talents. <laughs> well done. I love his his sideburns, by the way. They're like... Hella bushy. Sideburns, but then they're like only at the bottom they're long. And they really poof out to the side real hard? Yeah, like it's as if they were like not, you know, like a beard is bushy. It's like the edges weren't bushy, they were long. Yeah. Like the ends weren't bushy, they were long. Very Wolverine from the comic books. Yeah, yeah. We're going to find out later that he has like a flat iron at home. He just he just <laughs> straightens the ends of the sideburns real hard. So they show up there with Omega because she bailed with them. She experiences dirt for the first time. Like we talked about her. <laughs> yeah. She's easy to impress. Uh, she's lived on this rainy ass water planet that's, you know, she's like the equivalent of like, uh, you know, what is Bruce Willis's daughter in Armageddon hang out on the big oil <laughs> thing in the, the middle of the rig. ocean? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's. That's what Camino's like for her. So she thinks dirt is just super sick. <laughs> Cut tells Hunter that Rex warned them. Apparently Rex was there the day before that there's a storm coming. The Imperial presence is growing. Seleucami is no longer safe to hide. They have to get out of there. And it's kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just take you. But here's the wrinkle. The Empire is making it mandatory for every resident to have a chain code in order to leave. A chain code for your vessel and for individuals. But the clones, of course, can't do that because they'll they'll be outed. So no one can get these chain codes legitimately. So they have to they have to come up this with this plan to infiltrate the base and access a security kiosk, steal the equipment to make the chain codes. So they have their ship impounded on purpose by the Empire, and they hide inside to get in there. Omega inadvertently ends up on the ship, which Hunter is not stoked about. You know, because they just do this plan like, yeah, we're just going to get it impounded and. Hunter's like, are, are you shitting me? Omega's on that ship. So she ends up in there with them, but she ends up helping get the chain codes. She's just, you know, the bold kid like we were talking about. I'm like, oh, I'll go get them. It it was really reminiscent of, uh, God, what was it? There's another Star Wars moment where they're like, uh, God damn it, where it's like, um, maybe it's a Han and Chewie moment. Or where they're like, I'll do it. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, Return of the Jedi. When um, it, it seems one of your friends is. Uh, yeah. The Ewok runs yeah. off to, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. The, uh, 
with their is it wicket he runs out there and basically distracts them so they can get the get into the bunker yeah they're like talking about what the plan's going to be and they look up and it's like well that's already happening the little <laughs> one's already out there you know oh uh, yeah so she helps they get the chain codes they come back all hell's starting to break loose because like the thing's impounded they got to blast out they also need to get the laquains the laquains on their ship to actually get out of there that seems to be going just fine they're going to get on the, the shuttle and it's going to be good but Hunter's like, Omega, you have to stay with them. I can't be your dad. You can't be hanging out with a bunch of dudes with guns, with a bunch of gangster-ass dudes out in space. You need to go have a nice life with these people. It's a super heart-wrenching moment. Gnarly. We'll talk about it later. Tech even, like, this was already the plan. Tech even made a chain code for her because she she was going to be gone, right? So the Laquains leave the planet, no issues, but the Bad Batch, like I said, they're hung up with the troopers. They have to blast their way out. During the shootout, here comes Omega running, She's saying, no, I'm, I'm take, let Omega take the wheel. <laughs> She's going to do what she wants. She leaves the family and comes back to the Bad Batch. They escape. They have a little heart-to-heart at the end, Hunter and Omega, after they escape unscathed. And he tells her, you know, if this is where she wants to be, this is where she'll stay. And the episode ends there. Love it. Love it. Where are they going? Yeah, they didn't say, <laughs> right? Tatooine. I don't know. <laughs> often, often to the sunset. Well, if you saw the, I was telling Nick earlier, if you saw the Star Wars in the official Instagram, you know how they do the recap where they talk about, you know, this episode now streaming. Yeah. They accidentally did the now streaming recap for episode three. Oh, no way. Yeah. Don't say anything. Don't say it. No, we won't <laughs> say it. But it's going to be a fun episode for Sweet. sure. Episode three. Say no words. I will not. So let's discuss. And we can talk about that episode a little bit. Just in closing on episode two, basically that that was a lot of character development, really, for the kind of father figure thing with Hunter and Omega. Omega feeling like she doesn't necessarily she hasn't necessarily ever felt like she fit in until she met the Bad Batch. She's kind of got things about her that are unique and that makes her fit in. You know, she's got her thing that we'll speculate on later. So ultimately it's about Hunter trying to treat someone like a human and not a soldier, especially a little kid and dealing with that and about Omega kind of finding her place in the world, the galaxy essentially. And that little moment with, with the Nexu that she almost gets attacked by it is really important, is really important because you see that cut has fully understood what it takes to be a father and that when he's fully made the switch. Yeah. And Hunter yells at her because he's like, you know, you don't, you know, you could, you could have got killed. And Omega literally five minutes before was like, what's dirt. This is amazing. Let alone the ball. What do you do with it? (laughs) Right. She can't. So, so seeing this huge beast right there and they, you know, very specifically said, do not go past the fence. And there was just a really cool moment to show that the clones were capable of not just being soldiers, that they were capable of turning off that fight or flight mentality that they've been essentially bred to have. Um, yeah. It was a cool moment for Hunter to kind of see it modeled by another one of him, right? Uh, so I thought that was a super key part of understanding where their story is going to go as pseudo father, daughter. So let's discuss. We have a few points to discuss. Um, we mentioned earlier about the Kaminoans helping the Bad Batch escape. Their motivation there is unclear, but we know for sure that they're displeased with the idea of 
no longer being customers of the Republic. Mm-hmm. The Republic, no, according to Tarkin, no longer needs clones. And they're like, no, man, our, our clones are better than your stupid soldiers. Our product's better. Like, And they had a contract with the Republic, and Tarkin is like, yeah. the Republic doesn't exist. We're the Empire now. Yeah. Shady. Yeah. So, I mean, they said straight up they'll keep an eye on the Empire until Tarkin's intentions are clear. I would like to give them the benefit of the doubt and assume that Nalase has um, more of a connection to Omega. Mm-hmm. There seems to be some of that. I don't know. I don't, again, I don't want to speculate too much about what Omega really is, what their intention was with making her. I have one idea that is so not Star Wars. Let's talk about this in the after show as well. Drew put that in the day planner. Yeah, I'm not. I'm right not, after our brunch. I'm not letting on to what it is, but it's not a Star Wars idea. If we talk about what we saw on screen, right, it's not speculation. Omega was referred to by the— Omega. Omega. She was referred to as a medical assistant. Mm -hmm. And then she also revealed when Tech was obviously aware of the inhibitor chip, she explained she was well aware that the clones have inhibitor chips in their heads. I mean, she literally has been helping them do procedures and get the clones up to snuff. That's like in, she popped up in that one scene and was like, "Oh, because of the inhibited cheat." Right. <laughs> so, so we know that we know that she is very aware of how this process works, and what's important about that is that she's referred to as a medical assistant, and that she may be able to also turn off inhibitor chips or be able to remove them. Say, if we have more people like Rex, um, and the other thing that maybe getting down the line too, if we go back a little bit. We see in the beginning that a Jedi body was brought back to Kamino, mm-hmm. which makes no sense other than they have intentions of using Jedi bodies for something, right? The lightsaber falls out. They made it very heavy that it was not a casualty. It was most specifically a Jedi being brought back to Kamino. Kamino is the cloning facility. So we understand that we see that she has a little bit of the force sensitivity, Adam and I have talked about this offline where we're like, you know, she has this premonition of uh, the four sense that Yoda has. And then she also pulls that one in a million shot and, you know, knocks the sniper off his roost and everything. So we know that there's clearly some kind of connection of what Omega actually is. That's all seen on screen. So I don't think we have to get too far into the theorizing it because theorizing is so fun, but based on what we've seen, there's clearly being a groundwork laid out that she's yeah. a very special person. That's not just a medical assistant. My, uh, my speculation has nothing to do with the force. Oh, Interesting. I'm very excited to tell. I haven't told anyone. All right. We're very excited. <laughs> Get us to that after show. <laughs> That's for the patrons in the after show. It's juicy. All right. Nalase says there are five defective clones since echo is a regular clone. Omega's the fifth, right? Mm. And they say it straight up. It's interesting, though, because Tarkin's asking her. I, gu- I guess it, it's more about Tarkin's wording than Nalus says. She's just acknowledging, like, yeah, there are five clones that aren't, that are non-standard, right? She doesn't directly refer to Omega as defective. Mm. So I guess the thought here in, in putting this in the discussion was, I guess, the the nomenclature of defective mm-hmm. versus modified, right? Well, there's some, at some point, it might've been right after that, perhaps, where I want to say uh, tech or, yeah, I think it's tech. He says, we're not defective, we're deviant. 
Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. Which I feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and also there's that excellent line of, uh, I think Cut says that the Kaminoans don't ever do it. Like they, whatever clone they make has a purpose, you know? Yeah. So like all of this, everyone has a purpose. And again, Omega has to have a purpose. So we're going to try and figure out what it is. And it just seems like there's a connection with her and at least Hunter and Hunter's mutation is that he's you know perceptive and that type of thing so yeah that's all i'll say about but but the the convert the conversation that she had with crosshair was so Mm -hmm. telling right because she goes i know what i know what you're going to do and you Mm -hmm. don't have to do it and so she knows that he's already either she's reading into him maybe that is hunter like sense of Mm -hmm. that he's anxious that he knows that she sees that he's got betrayal written all over him Mm -hmm. and so that that could be it i mean we're we're anticipating it that it's that it's you know the force because we want to obviously always make those connections and the jedi body is so hard to ignore because clearly yeah. the lightsaber hit the ground they made a very big show of that mm-hmm. but then we also look at the same thing of what we're saying is could, you know does she have crosshairs abilities too to just pick mm-hmm. up a blaster and make a literally yeah. a crosshair shot so mm-hmm. the theories are definitely all the tracks for all these crazy theories. None of them have enough evidence to be disproven at this point, which is kind of exciting for sure. Is there a reason she took off her little headdress or is that just meant to be like, I'm, I'm, you know, that, that is in my past now. I've moved on. I mean, I think in this episode without speculating, yeah, I think it's just, that's in the past, but I really wonder if that has some sort of connection to, uh, Nalase somehow. Yeah. Because yeah. Nalase wore it, but Lamasu didn't, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And they seem to have some sort of connection and work together in, in the med bay or whatever. So I wonder if that is some sort of way for them to communicate. So Rex was there yesterday mm. in relation to when they showed up at Cut's place. We already know Rex is in this. We we saw him in the, tra- in the trailer. I didn't expect right out of the gate, though, then to be like, yeah, Rex. Yeah, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we had freaking brunch. Yeah. So, I mean, it could go either way. Actually, mentioning it, mentioning that right there, it could he could be you know one step ahead of them for the entire season, mm-hmm. and they could not meet up until the end. Or this could indicate that, I mean, next week we might get Rex. Yeah. You know. I mean, think about the timeline of this too. We saw Order sixty six and Rex and Ahsoka go through that. He went to J nineteen like the next day. Or maybe within yeah. that day of Order sixty six, yeah, because that timeline really it's pretty pretty tight right there. So he must have went there maybe with the same intention that the Bad Batch did to like I know a guy who's you know hiding away. I might be able to hide with him. Yeah. So in that sense, you have to assume they're going to have all the same contact points. Mm-hmm. Right. Rex, the Bad Batch, anyone else who's like, what the f- is this Order sixty six shit? Mm-hmm. They're going to be going to the same people. Right. So that lines up. That checks out. Um, I really like this subtle, um, social commentary with the, the empire chain code registry, Mm -hmm. a little social commentary on the slippery slope towards tyranny, the kind of big brother stuff, the, uh, giving everybody a a tag and a number. Yeah. An iPhone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Giving everybody the old COVID tracker in their arm. (laughs) Yeah. God. What I agree, what I agree with you, Adam is cool about that is because when we see that, I, th- I hope most people would have remembered it from the Mandalorian. He holds up the chain code to basically get in to work with the client. 
and yeah. then eventually get into, I believe he uses the chain code to get into the, when he first meets Dr. Pershing, right? Mm -hmm. And we had never seen that before. We had never really seen, you know, we had seen, you know, where are you going with these droids? And, the, you know, there was, we, we never saw any form of this, like, you know, here's my, here's my ID. We saw in Rogue One, there was a ID card when Bodhi, the pilot, uh, when Saw looks at his credentials as an Imperial crewman or pilot, right. but we had never really understood where that the card came from when Mando holds it up and when he says, you know, chain, chain code. So it's really cool to see Filoni being Filoni and explaining where that concept came from. Yeah. There is a little, I don't know, there's discussion on how well that all fits in place. Let's actually, let's just do this and we'll talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A certain point of view. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. So chain codes are new is the way it's presented? I think so. I, I have a couple of, I have one theory. Because Django, or Boba says, this chain code says that this was my father's armor, right? I think the quote, so... I know we were talking about this earlier, but I think Boba's actual quote, I looked it up, and it says, my chain code has been encoded in this armor for 25 years. That checks out. 25 years before Mando is chain code time. He doesn't say Django. He says the armor's been in his family with Django, but he says, Boba specifically says, the armor has been encoded for 25 years, which that timeline checks out. So the chain code, it's kind of a bullshit point for him to make like yeah this is my dad's don't do the math guy that i'm trying to prove this to right now mm -hmm. you know like hey din don't don't do the math mm -hmm. because if you did the math you'd realize that i put the chain code on this armor <laughs> way after my dad died you know what i mean yeah or if or if a chain code, you know what i'm saying chain code is a ancestry.com basically for the the galaxy and you don't know if tarkin may have been inspired by the mandalorian's uh ability to reference history because history is so important to the mandalorians and tarkin is willing to erase the entire history of the republic so i don't know if maybe chain code was just a terminology for historical documents uh, but you can Maybe he was inspired. Or serial number, yeah, whatever. something. So maybe he was inspired by the Mandalorians to say they they keep very good track of history, and that would help us prevent from any insurrection in the future. So could hold up. And it could also be that yes, things have serial numbers. Like yeah, you buy an iPhone and it has a serial number, but a a human being doesn't necessarily have a serial number. So it could be at this point they say, well, now every person and every ship and everything has to have a serial number and it has to be registered. Mm -hmm. And that's With the, the galactic empire. Right. That's yeah. the line in the sand. It's not as if the, the concept has been invented. It's just the concept that everyone has to have one and it has to be registered starts at this point in history. Yeah. Right. I'm thinking back to the, that Boba, you know, the, the thing you brought up. I think Boba, his point, was I'm a Mandalorian when he was talking to Din. 
and he says, this armor was my father's, and that's how he proves that he's Mandalorian. Then he says, here's more proof that my father is who I say he is. Here's my chain code, which was encoded 25 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that all checks out. All right. Solved. <laughs> One thing I saw pretty quickly, and actually in the Discord, somebody had a, a meme in there about it. The apparent inconsistency of this telling of Order 66 with Caleb versus the Kanan comic. Yeah. Is there much? Do either of you guys know much? I, I, I've heard that it's it lines up pretty well. It doesn't add too much, doesn't change too much. I mean, there's no Bad Batch. I know that much in, in the comic. Right. And there's one of the the commanders, I think they changed his look. So I think, what who is the commander at the beginning? Gray, it's I want to say. Gray, yeah. yeah. And I guess they had changed his armor pretty drastically for the show. And I guess some people were pretty upset about that. Yeah. But, you know, I think, and when you guys had the, uh, who who was it that came on from Marvel? Yeah, Heather and Charles. Yeah. And, you know, when they talked about sometimes when the shows or the movies, which at this point are the biggest properties, if they retcon something, you just go, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, sorry, uh, bro. Yeah. It's unfor and it's unfortunate because I, I know that the Canaan comic is, is pretty revered by fans. Uh, mm -hmm. and so I, you know, and I, and it, and it, I haven't read it, so I, I don't have that appreciation for it, but it seems like a pretty trivial thing to me, I guess. Yeah. But I, I, it's not a, I guess the best way to put it is, Broad brushstrokes, everything is the same. Details are not the same, but yeah. like the outcome is the same. Sure. I don't know. I, I've been thinking about this a lot too. And we, we ha we've been sold the like hard canon line when Disney took over. Everything from that point on basically is canon and everything that before that wasn't. And But there's been some instances where this like broad brushstroke retcon happens where like, I think the Siege of Mandalore between Ahsoka and Maul is a little different than it was in the Clone Wars. Now this, right. yeah. Uh, if Disney's listening, and I know they are, <laughs> it's. Uh, I, I kind of want to say, like, if the screen supersedes publishing, then give us more screen so this doesn't happen. You know, like, right. like yeah. don't push the comics and the novels. I mean, I'm not saying don't make them, but don't say that they're canon if ultimately they're they can be messed with. Give us more of this important stuff on screen. And, and I think that that's come those, a lot of those decisions were made pre Favreau Filoni mm -hmm. kind of becoming yeah. the creative architects of yeah. you know, the, the, the Feige's of, of star Wars kind of moving mm -hmm. forward. So I'm not, I'm not that surprised. I'm actually surprised it hasn't happened more in star Wars, to yeah. be honest. It's actually yeah. quite incredible what the story group has done to mm -hmm. make it so that this is a fairly, like you said, broad brush strokes yeah. to get to the same result considering how expansive the Star Wars uh, universe is and what people kind of hold on to if mm -hmm. you have fierce f fans of some of these comic series and, yeah. and some of these stories because they feel like they put the time in to appreciate yeah. these mediums. And so when, when stuff gets retconned, I can understand why they're upset. But if we're looking at the overall architecture of what they're building, mm -hmm. you kind of got to look at it and say, I think we're okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's this is totally a very nick opinion because i just want to like be like hey guys relax like you're you cannot expect a comic book to supersede a movie or a television show right so right. it's kind of like i really want like in the most like calm way 
if you get annoyed that like a novel or a comic book gets overwritten, it's like you can't expect that to have, like you have to really, really calm down with that expectation. It's not gonna, right. it's not gonna happen. Hey, here's some stuff for you to clarify. The Canyon comic started, uh, you know, it's a few issues, came out um, 2015, yeah. ended 2016. It's a two book thing, 12 issues altogether. You know what? We will get all of this clarified. We'll get we'll get it straight from friend of the pod who knows it best. Heather Antos was the assistant editor on this. So we'll have uh-huh. her on for one of these Bad Batch episodes and we'll talk about it. I think she knows. Cool, 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 cool. Totally cool, totally cool. All right. Here's one. From a certain point of view, how are you going to say that clones are too expensive when you build two full Death Stars? <laughs> Tarkin. This is a good point. Wait, what if it's cause and effect or whatever? You have to get rid of the clones because you're building Death Stars. Ha ha. Case closed. That's the quickest (laughs) from a certain point of view we've ever had. Done. Wow. (laughs) Moving on. The Kaminoans are like, you know, we we did already kind of pay for this. And Tarkin's thinking about the second Death Star beginning construction. He's like, we kind of did too. (laughs) So I'm going to go ahead and walk away from this because I'm going to be in trouble if I spend any more money. For over a thousand generations. It is the dark Saber. It's a Calicori. A Sith Wayfinder. Dark science. Cloning. Secrets only the Sith knew. The Den of Antiquities. I haven't been in here in a while. Yeah, it looks nice. It's nice. It's warm. It's It's cozy. It's got new lightsabers. It does. (laughs) When the Bad Batch characters were created for the Clone Wars, George, you guys know George, he mentioned that he actually envisioned them having their own series, like from the inception. Crazy. I don't know when the idea of them was conceived, but it seems like from what I've read and the way it's talked about that it was long before season seven. Like they had been talking about this potential thing for a while. Right. Do you guys get that impression? I forget what celebration it was, but they showed like the bad batch, like animatics, like as an episode at a celebration in like 2015 or something like that. So before that, Oh, that's right. Because they were, they were saved in the same, in the same lost episodes Mm -hmm. or lost missions thing. Right. Right. They were, they were developed then, but they said, no, we're going to save this and do it right later, mm-hmm. essentially, is what it came down to. So, yeah, so years ago. Well, the animated series at that point, too, was was the leading force for Star Wars at the time, right? Yeah. Cl- Clone Wars was the only property that we had of live action something. And the process of that business of when Clone Wars started and what was it, 2000? 2008. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know. This was Lucas's vision to be like, I have to introduce as much into this time era and as much into these characters as we can. So that's not surprising to know that he had, that was probably part of the plan all along. Dis- the Disney buyout obviously changed the trajectory of it. But, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. Did you guys know that maybe, maybe this is just me. The voice of one of the rebels with Saw who kind of comes in and says – hey, this is about to happen, blah, blah, blah. He just kind of ends the conversation by chiming in. Did it sound like John Favreau to anybody else? Did you guys catch that? I didn't notice that. No, I didn't pick that up. If anyone listening noticed that, hit us up. I mean, maybe we'll find out later, but it really sounded like him. It could have been one of those things where like, he was just in the studio. It was, like, D, it was D. Bradley Baker doing <laughs> what he does. Doing Favreau. Right. <laughs> uh, there's one thing we didn't mention. I really like that scene. There was this one part where... 
uh, Saw legitimately ends the conversation by like turning out like a giant light, like a lantern. And I was like, oh, that was pretty. And then like, I think on my second or third rewatch, I'm like, hey, it's Star Wars. That's probably symbolic. You know, like yeah. the the light is now out and they're, he, they literally saw takes the rebels like away. You know, it's like the yeah. dark darkness has, has encompassed this, uh, this whole group of people. So yeah, that scene was really, really pretty at first. And then I was like, oh wait, there's probably symbolism there. Yeah. That's and directing. I loved, I love where we're reestablishing Saw Gerrera as like, he's yeah. even, he's gone even further into saying there will be no mercy there mm-hmm. will be no, they, they will not sympathize with us. They will not yeah. take us in to the empire. We have been already marked as resistance, rebellion. And it's cool to see, you know, before we see him obviously in Rogue One and we see him a little bit in Battlefront, we see him a little bit in Fallen Order where, you know, you can see that Saw is clearly going off the deep end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jaded, disillusioned. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so that was really cool to see him reestablishes, yeah, his trajectory is exactly where you know it's going. And it's so justified. I mean, that's a solid 18 years later, you know, ish. That definitely brings up another thing that, you know, just popped into my head. In Solo, Enfys Ness kind of sounds like she's starting the rebellion, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. So, but Saw... There's patches. There's patches, right? Yeah, they yeah. Kinda, she kind of makes it seem like there's it's happening all over the place mm-hmm. Yeah, and Enfys Ness. This is a long amount of, like a big period of a big chunk of time we have here to like really i want to keep have i'm only saying that to keep everyone's like speculation at bay it's like don't speculate too close to a new hope because we're 18 years away from that so i think a lot of stuff has to happen right or at least has room to happen right and all the different cells all the different rebellion cells that we we see that idea addressed in rebels right right the bad batch could be their own cell yeah you know what i mean that's what this whole series could ultimately be about right the opening uh, Clone Wars Bulletin reenacts a few scenes from Revenge of the Sith, animated instead. Pretty sweet. Yeah, pretty cool. Reminder, Depo Balaba is on the council in The Phantom Menace. We see her in the council chamber there. Is it the same actor who played her on screen that voices her? Or- Ooh, good question. I'm not sure. Ooh, that's a deep cut. Let's, let's find out right I'm now. I'm going to say 20 years, 20, no, almost 20. How long has it been? 20, yeah, like 20 years. years. Yeah. Uh, I mean, hey, if they got if they got Freddie Prince to come back and voice a 12-year-old, <laughs> they clearly don't care much about that. Oh, dude, really quick, from a certain point of view, why is Kanan's voice so deep? <laughs> I mean, what, or Caleb, why is his, I mean, he does a, hey, little guy's like kind of a teenager voice for a little bit, but then it's like, yo, my name's Caleb. Right. <laughs> uh, he was, uh, puberty is enhanced on the console so they make sure that no one repeats Anakin's he went through puberty in that scene right yeah <laughs> that, that's it he just hit puberty that's the explanation oh, let's find this out right now yeah Archie Punjabi voices Depa but is Archie Punjabi in the Phantom Menace so where's the Bad Batch nope okay different actor all right well can't win them all they can't all be Katie Sackhoff <laughs> good point Let's move on here. Tech, when referring to Echo, he says he's more machine now than man. Call back to Kenobi, of course, describing Vader. Right. Crosshair says good soldiers follow orders, like we talked about, which Tup says in season six of Clone Wars, early indicator that he had that inhibitor chip somewhat functional. Omega. 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 Is 
the last letter of the Greek alphabet, the end, essentially, right? Which is interesting, though, because you did see clone babies, right? So it doesn't, I, I don't know that it necessarily means like a lot of people are like, she's the last clone. It's like, no, Tarkin was looking at clone babies. So they were still incubating. This is speculation here, but what if that means like sort of the final prototype, the final uh, public beta? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like this is the this is the final version. This is the best version. Yeah. It's got to mean something. With all of these mutations. Yeah. 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 For you sure. Don't, you don't name her that for no reason. For sure. We'll see. Lamasu says the skill level and efficiency of our clones is far superior to any recruited body which is another nod to stormtroopers being useless assbags who can't hit anything <laughs> yeah. with a gun. And ultimately, it, it just shows, like, uh, you know, you cut costs over here, and look what happened to your empire, buddy. Yep. <laughs> slightly less effective. <laughs> <laughs> just ever so slightly unable to ever hit a target ever. AZ-3, the droid that helps Omega. It's like a med droid. The med droid, essentially, yeah. Uh, is the same... Droid from the Clone Wars Season 6 with the arc about the inhibitor chips. That's dope. We didn't get the full name of the droid until this, right? Well, it's, it's like 19 mm. letters long or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it rips through it hilariously, effective, yeah. efficiently. That wasn't in the Clone Wars? I feel like it was. I, don't I know. think it was just AZ or AZ-3. Yeah. Just kind of mentioned in, in passing. Uh, there's a great quote, which is actually one of the favorite quotes that we put in the poll. When Saw says, if we give up now, everything we've fought for, everyone we've lost, will all have been for nothing. Pretty similar to 3PO's quote in The Rise of Skywalker, which is a great movie, by the way. Everyone who makes a meme that insults this movie <laughs> that I read on Instagram. 3PO says, if this mission fails, it was all for nothing. All we've done all this time. It's good. It's good, people. You're going to appreciate this movie in 10 years. The Imperial checkpoints on Seleucami are really similar to the ones we see on Corellia in Solo. I got that vibe too. Mm, yep. Were we, Mike? Were we talking about this on the the uh, the live stream a little bit? Yeah. Or maybe I was talking to somebody in the chat. Brad, I was talking to Brad. I mean, again, it's laying the groundwork for that whole thing. That yeah. show me your papers kind of Nazi right. vibe. And I think this the logo that's on that tower. Is that already, I'll have to go back and look, is that already Empire or is that still the Republic logo? Mm, it has to have changed. Yeah, it's probably Empire. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool that they had updated that. And they're that. similar but not, you probably know, Mike, they're similar but not the same, right? Yeah, there's like six, I think it's six or five in the in the cog, and the Republic one has you know a lot more uh -huh. dashes on the inside, yeah, yeah. so it's a little less complicated. Mm -hmm. But it is, yeah, the, the transition of seeing that is very cool. The Empire's cutting costs. They got rid of some of the design. <laughs> they pulled the Pepsi cheaper. move. They pulled the Pepsi move, save, <laughs> save money on ink. Yeah. Uh, there we see the, the women's razor communicator, you know, Qui-Gon uses in The Phantom Menace. We see Hunter using that, and I noticed that right away. So funny. It yeah. lives. Straight from my mom's shower in the 90s. I, I'm your Venus. I'm your communicator. <laughs> Mike, are the where in the costuming community where do people have those? Do people make those? Yeah, do that's people a, have old ones that they use. Oh yeah, that 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 those found parts. Uh, if sometimes wow. you f you find them and uh, and I think they're spray painted silver and they have gold in there. But yeah, that is a well known part in the costume community because sometimes wow. you find people that stumble upon stuff and you find them at garage sales for some reason. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Dude, how many people doing like an estate sale, 
you know, on the checkout, when you bring up like on Sunday when everything's half price and you bring your little basket of crap, they go, I didn't expect anybody to buy this razor. This is weird. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 25 cents. And then meanwhile, the person's like, dude, you will not believe what yeah. I found at this garage sale. Right. Like, Do yeah, you have yeah. any more of these? Yeah. Well, we still, <laughs> we still occasionally see the people who buy the lot on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace that says old camera parts and there's a mm. freaking Graflex in there. Yes. You know, so that that still does happen and I get jealous every single time. But yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's awesome seeing how they're this is such a detail show that it's like Easter egg after Easter egg. I think it's it's so great. Anything else you guys want to move on? Uh transport shuttles are the same as uh in Rebels. Uh and that was modeled off of the Star Tours ship oh yeah, yeah yeah so when you see them on i think it's the second ep- second or third episode of rebels when they get on and you know r2 and they're helping uh they have to s- kind of sneak undercover to get the the rifles that and then you have you know uh, a very similar dj rex from Ogus cantina uh yeah. that that is the captain the automated captain of the ship so that's that was kind of cool and then obviously the the scomp reference from fallen order most popular uh that's what echo tells uh, they need to scomp in. So I thought that was a cool little reference there. But yeah, it's... What does that mean for people who aren't familiar? Uh, scomp is essentially hacking or locking into uh, when when R2, you know, they, they don't say R2 hack the mainframe. You know, they say either plug in at the time, but scomping is the new term for basically overtake something electronic in Star Wars. Scomping, slicing. Yep. Right, yep. Slicing, scomping a Fallen Order reference, but all the way back to 1988, the RPG dice game from Star Wars. Deep cut. I love you. I know. Favorites. Favorite scenes, favorite quotes, favorite moments. What do you guys have? What's on your short list before we get into uh, the ones that we polled, the patrons? My favorite outfit is Wrecker's Coachella outfit. When he's wearing the poncho and the, the hat, that's my favorite yes. outfit. He's on mushrooms there. Dude. Yeah, he's like Tame Impala's going on at two p.m. <laughs> well, now actually, Tame Impala's going on at two a.m. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I thought the um, in terms of what we what we saw that opening scene of episode one, just kind of how they unconventionally just annihilated the battle droids. And, yeah. you know, and then they, they did the rock trick, right? Knock the big rock down that we saw referenced as Fennec also does this in Mandalorian uh, in, in, the, in the Boba episode. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a cool little felonyism. Um, but all in all, I mean, as someone who wasn't, who is a, a fairly recent fan of the Clone Wars, it's, it's really cool to appreciate that they're diving. I think they're going to be connecting even further with the sequels. And I'm really excited for that because I think with more information and the fact that long form storytelling is such a Star Wars thing, and I feel like we've kind of been robbed of it, which is why this is such an amazing time to be a Star Wars fan. The fact that we're getting this era, focusing on this small group of people in one of these cells, if you're you're right, Adam, uh, it's awesome. So I loved that opening scene. I loved, obviously, the Kanan throwback. I love that his lightsaber was exactly the same. Um, it was, yeah, it's, it was super fun. It set the tone and, uh, is it Friday yet? Let's go. (laughs) Um, my, my favorite scene that we didn't list, I I would say, honestly, 
pretty heavy scene with Tarkin and Lama Sue just talking about, yeah. you know, moving forward. I mean, it's really, really very sick to see Tarkin this early on in the Empire. And, you know, like we said, he's not Grand Moff yet, so he's probably going to do something either extraordinary or do a bunch of things really well to get himself a bit more power here. But that whole conversation was was line in the sand yeah. for the Empire now. Yeah, I, of course, loved seeing Order 66 from another angle. Any of that stuff, I'm a sucker for any kind of like prequel or other angle of a scene that you already know, which is probably why I was like so obsessed with Pulp Fiction back in the day. <laughs> just the coolest concept to me to see like, to just flip something and see a replay or, you know, like a Groundhog Day kind of thing where you just keep seeing the same thing from different perspectives. I love that shit. So I love the opening and then seeing Depa and Caleb was just about as awesome as Star Wars gets. But there were some character moments that really got me. And I mean, even as a non-parent, dude, the scene when Hunter tells Omega that she has to go with Cut and his family and Omega's like, what did I do wrong? Yeah. That shit ripped my heart in half, dude. Yep. It was... Like, I, I almost just started bawling in that moment. And I can only imagine for somebody who actually has kids who's had had that kind of moment with their kid where you're looking out for them, but they're they're sad because they think that you're just furious with them. You know, like, mm -hmm. they've completely f***ed up. And then, like, the guilt hits. Oh, dude, that was gut-wrenching to me. Yeah, for, a ki for kids and for kids, you know, as a parent, you know, you want them to experience whatever joy or whatever they're doing until you have to kind of tell them like, all right, we've got to tone it down. And they can't really understand why if something was something so fun, like, well, we've been playing forever. Like, why is this like, why would we ever stop this? Right. And you're like, well, we yeah. have to we have to do other things today. Um, but yeah, that was a that was such a great moment for her to kind of almost be reminded that she was different. Yeah. Right? And uh, where she's walking around this cloning facility, knowing that she's different, clearly not respected by the other clones. And to have that be like, well, I found I'm going on this adventure with these other clones that have kind of like accepted me, you know, and then to see they had that line in there is like, oh, am I back to, to square one? Am I just a reject again? Yeah. Right. Right. Brutal. So I love that. And just to, add, I'll, to go back and add to the scene things from another angle thing the big gathering hall where they're watching the broadcast of Palpatine, where they actually play the clip from revenge of the Sith. Yeah. The, I have been disfigured, but you know, that whole thing loved that. And I love their kind of just their commentary <laughs> when he says, I've been disfigured and he's like, talk about it, you know, yeah. like, talk, you know, whatever. I love that kind of stuff because they, uh, you're seeing the, the clones fully order 66 activated being as militant and robotic as they can be. Yeah. While these other clones are being, even more individual and saying how they feel. Yeah, like, I don't know if it needs to be said or not, but, like, Order 66 is way more than just kill the Jedi. Like, they're yeah. they're gone. Like, mentally, they're they're cheering for Palpatine at this point, you know? Like, yeah. Order 66 had a lot more to do just, than just killing Jedi. They're, they're totally brainwashed at this point. Yeah. I thought there was that fun little detail where they're walking down and they're trying to figure out what the hell happened. And, you know, tech goes, oh, hang on, let me try something. And he goes, excuse me, do you know? And they're like, you know, 
piss off. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, that seems pretty normal to me. <laughs> so I thought that was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah, there's there's a lot of good little comic relief kind of balancing out the what ultimately, if you think about it, like you're saying, Nick, they're completely brainwashed. Like all those clones, all that individuality, yet still a brotherhood is just mm-hmm. wiped out. Yep. All the stuff that we came to love about those clones, it's gone now. They're all dead, essentially, you know, and that's mm-hmm. brutal. So the little comic relief uh, it takes your mind off that terrible fact. One more little detail, too, before I forget. Um, if you notice the Bad Batch are knocking out or hitting them, they're not shooting to kill. Yeah. yeah. So that's a cool little detail because I think— I think he, in episode two towards the end they did, but I, I think— Hun- Yeah, I think Hunter might, yeah. like, when he realizes, like, they kind of— I think actually when they go to aim at Omega, I think it's mm-hmm. where like Hunter's like, okay, yeah. I'm taking off the kid gloves. Let's before let's that go. was the the stun right. though. Yeah, yeah, and you can see, and the bolts are still blue. That's that's yeah. important to notice too. They're still bluish white. But one cool little detail was that when I believe when Crosshair shot with his new gun, mm-hmm. it was a red bolt. Uh, Ooh, well done. It's interesting and exciting to think about the fact that. Most of what we saw in the trailer, aside from the shot of Rex, is from these first two episodes. Because mm-hmm. I remember trying to pick which frames to put in the post. And there's the one, you know, where you see you see Hunter shooting one of the troopers. You know, you see that kind of exchange right there with, the, you know, the storage containers, everything in the, in the impound hold right there. Yeah. All that stuff in that trailer is from the first couple episodes. So we have a lot of exciting stuff to come. We're going yeah. blind. I mean, there's Fennec. Besides Fennec. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's see. Let's hand out some medals from our friends on Patreon. So we're back to polling the patrons now that we're covering stuff. We went with six nominees since we have two episodes here. So six nominees for favorite scenes, six nominees for favorite quotes, favorite scenes we went with from episode one, first nominee, Order 66 and Caleb's Escape. It's an extended couple scenes, but it, we kind of treated that all as one. Also from episode one, second nominee, The Bad Batch returning to Camino, seeing that things have changed. The broadcast of Palpatine's speech on Camino, another extended couple scenes that we kind of grouped into one. Episode one, Bad Batch meeting Saw Guerrera. Also from episode one, fourth nominee, the shootout with Evil Crosshair, the Bad Batch escaping with Omega. Fifth nominee from episode two, Hunter reprimanding Omega for going past the fence, Cut stepping in and speaking to her compassionately like a parent, like we talked about earlier, great scene. And the sixth and final nominee for favorite scenes, Hunter telling Omega she's not coming with them and Omega heartbroken. Out of those six, I know we discussed sort of our favorites, but you guys want to vote? Before we reveal the winners, hmm, I'm gonna I'll I'll go with Order sixty six. Can't lose with that, Mike. Ah, am I? Is it is it lame to say the same? Because that's it, <laughs> it's awesome. No, I don't think it's lame. I think it's a great vote. Then that is my vote. Um, God, I am I lame too? I kind of want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's unanimous. But I do love. Yeah, I do love parts of the others a lot but i mean just nothing beats the impact of realizing oh shit caleb's here oh wow that's the voice 
that's our boy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Seeing um, the lightsaber, seeing it all. Yeah. 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 So that's going to be mine too. And it turns out the winner from the patrons with 53% of the vote is that Order 66 and Caleb's Escape. Well. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Second place with 27% of the vote from episode two, Hunter reprimanding Omega for going past the fence and cut stepping in to speak to her like a papa. It was really good. That's some good cartoon stuff. No votes for the Bad Batch meeting Saw. Isn't that weird? They're like, screw Saw. Saw sucks, dude. <laughs> and, and no votes for my, uh, my favorite heartbreaking moment either. So screw you guys. <laughs> Thanks for nothing except your patronage. Uh, monthly payment. <laughs> 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 Truly, thank you. But uh, I guess we disagree on that scene. Doesn't matter, though. We all got our own opinions. Moving on to quotes. Six quotes. From episode one, Crosshair says, Republic, Empire, what's the difference? Tex says, The systematic termination of the Jedi is a big one for me. That's great. I love that. Solid. Nominee number two, also from episode one, Saw Guerrera. He really brought it. He had like a full monologue in this whole section. I actually had to cut one of his quotes out of here because it was just all him. He says, If we give up now, everything we fought for, everyone we lost will have been for nothing. I won't let that happen. The Clone War may have ended, but a civil war is about to begin. Nominee number three, Saw Gerrera again. I love this one. The old ways are done. You can either adapt and survive or die with the past. The decision is yours. The fourth nominee from episode one again, Wrecker. This one is great. They're in the mess hall and Tech is kind of psychoanalyzing him and telling him that all their behaviors are programmed and the way they are is because they were programmed that way. Sorry, you, you don't have free will ultimately. And Wrecker says, Oh, well, I got a fact for you. I like to blow things up because I like to blow things up. Got it? Yeah. Fifth nominee from episode two, Sue, Cut's wife, says to Hunter, Children will always find ways of getting into trouble, Hunter. It's what they do. Protecting them is what we do. The sixth and final nominee for favorite quote is Hunter speaking to Omega at the end, the very last lines of episode two. If this is where you want to be, then this is where you'll stay. You guys have a favorite? You want to vote? Nikki? Mm, I think mine definitely is uh, Republic Empire. What's the difference? The systematic termination of the Jedi is a big one for me because I, I, I throw that null real world generator and I'm just like, when people are like, Democrat, Republican, what's the difference? I'm like, well, <laughs> well, there is a difference. You know, there is. Turns out there's a difference. There's a little bit of difference. I would say for, for me, the quote, of the children getting into trouble is way fun because my child does get into trouble. Um, but yeah. more so if you look at it in terms of that concept, Luke Skywalker was a child that according to the empire got in trouble. And uh, if you look at the process of all of the things that have disobeyed or disobedience in terms of droids, not playing along droids, doing things they weren't programmed for uh, Sabine, 
getting into trouble as, you know, the uh, breaking off of her family heritage. I, I think that's such a, that's a great quote because you could tie so many things revolving to Star Wars with that. So I think that's my vote. The old dad pick. Yeah. <laughs> dad <Lorian. laughs> Um, Man, this is tough. The Republic Empire, what's the difference one? I really love that. I'm leaning towards that. But I also love Saw. I like Saw's whole monologue. The uh, if we give up now, everything we fought for and so on. Ending with the Clone War may have ended, but the Civil War is about to begin. I remember writing that down right away. Yeah. Very, very cool. And then the old ways are done. You can either adapt and survive or die with the past. That's reminiscent of Kylo's. Mm-hmm. opposite take on it like totally you know like not just you might die with the past but kill the past you know what i mean those are both just killer for me um i'm gonna go with uh number two saw if we give up everything now blah 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 we'll all have been for nothing that's gonna be my fave the show is unbelievably quotable let's just also yeah. say that because i think now that the intention of this show has a very set beginning and end. That was the purpose of it. You know, I, I don't, I don't expect that we'll see another season of it. Um, I think they're, they're writing it very, it's strong. The writing is strong. The writing is precise. The writing is written almost to be dissected the way that we're doing it right now. So I think that's, that's awesome. All right. The winner, according to the patrons with 30% of the vote crosshair, Republic Empire, what's the difference? Tech, systematic termination of the Jedi is a big one for me. Yeah. That's so good. Should I have picked that one? Too late. God. <laughs> I, need so I need to change my quotes. <laughs> I also love that they were in the hallway walking by all these troopers just saying that out loud. Like, <laughs> we don't give a shit. <laughs> this place sucks. <laughs> yeah. These regs suck. Yeah. The regs. Regs. That's great. I love that. I love that that's a thing. We don't usually work with regs. Second place with 23% of the vote, Sue speaking to Hunter, the dad quote, children will always find a way of getting into trouble. Hunter protecting them is what we do. It's good. So um, in closing, hell of a show. I'm so pumped that we're getting like what feels like an old school full season of this. What do we got, 13 episodes? I mean, I've heard 15, so we'll see. Sick. Cannot confirm, but. Why not? Let's do it. Yeah, and if it was just eight, I would be ugh. let the speculations begin. <laughs> and Mike, I know you you were you're thinking this is one and done. I never that never uh, occurred to me. I felt like it was just gonna go. I think with the I think I mean if you look at it, it's like we could. I mean, of course, the storytelling. The longer you prolong what we're seeing, I mean, but eventually the timelines. In my opinion, un- unless you start giving, throwing the. You know, right now we're getting all these crumbs thrown in, but it's mm-hmm. like until you get the donut, you might start to lose. It, it might not, you know, if you look at it, the business model of Star Wars right now, we're about to get the Book of Boba Fett. We're going to get Mando season three. And then we have all these movies that we completely mm-hmm. forgot about are also coming yeah. out on the slate. And so I don't really get a sense that Disney is going to make the investment on more animated stuff to really hyper. This is this is a hyper-focused show in terms of the content of it, right? To explain where we were. We're basically just connecting two stories that your average fan could already know. But like I said, I'm very happy to be proven wrong. Nick, any thoughts? 
No, I, I, I'm pumped. I hope Mike's wrong and there's 10 seasons of it. <laughs> I hope we see Kira and Han eventually, you know, like an Empress yeah. Nest. That's, that's, that's what I want. Yeah, give me an animated Empress Nest. Yeah, right. Let's do it. Let's do oh. it. And then we could go, come over to the Discord and talk about all the potential. We've been we've been trying to stitch those lines between the the High Republic and mm-hmm. the look of the Nile and the Nihil and and emphasis design. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's Star Wars is amazing. Uh, yeah. But yes, Nick, I hope I'm wrong too. <laughs> I mean, you know what is a huge factor if it does well or not, and I. I mean, in our Star Wars bubble, it seems like it's doing well already. So as long as people are streaming it, then I'm sure they'll uh, they'll figure it out. We'll be there to watch, and we'll be here to cover it. Let's close with a quote. I found a good one since uh, William Ryan Key is still dead. <laughs> I really segued the living shit out of this. This is great. <laughs> the quote goes like this. Star Wars is not dead. It's going to get better and better. And that was said by none other than George Lucas. I don't know when or where he said that, but he was right. Hell yeah. Thanks, George. We like you. It's about to be a whole lot of not dead. The slate coming up <laughs> yeah. for Star Wars, this is the most amazing time to be a Star Wars fan, so I'm. it's most definitely not dead. Hell of a time to be alive. Oh, this is good. All right, Mike, if the folks want to find you on social media, where can they find you? That's a great question, Adam. Great to ask. <laughs> You can find us, our new venture. Of course, you can find me at hondasupply. Uh, on Instagram is where I'm most active, uh, hondasupply.com and hondasupply on Instagram. But our new venture that we're very excited to be teaming up with Thank the Maker for is Armor Party, which is a show about the costumes of Star Wars and the costumers that really put them together. And the first show has been received very well. And we're getting a lot of great feedback from people who are sharing people that they'd love to hear more about their stories. And we've got the next two episodes going to be dropping. Well, the next episode is dropping next week. And I'm very excited. We'll give you a little teaser because we're talking with someone from uh, who, who's a, a sewer. Uh, he, he runs a, a, a shop called the Dark Side Closet. And he specializes in sewing and doing these undersuits. And his story is really a tailor. Yeah, a, t- a seamster. I, I called him. I referred to him as the Sith of the seams, <laughs> uh, and uh, he seemed to like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's been really fun having conversations with people, and it's great to be bringing more Star Wars content to the fandom. And I'm excited to be teaming up with Think the Maker on that. So of course, thank you for having me on today, and let's keep this going. This is amazing. Hell yeah! At Armor Party Show on Instagram. That's right. And subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, Armor Party. Nick, how about you? I'm at Nick Bayside on Twitter and Instagram. I went to Galaxy's Edge on May the 4th and then also on May the 6th. Um, It was awesome. So you could see some pictures of that there. Definitely uh, now that Galaxy's Edge is open, hopefully the Batu Crew Instagram also will start popping off a little bit more. And you can find both Batu Crew and Thank the Maker merch in the same store. Just go to thankthemakermerch.com and you can navigate uh, your way around that site. Help support us. Mike's uh, designed a couple shirts for us. Adam's and Drew's designed a bunch of shirts. So help us uh, make a little bit of money while we're being nerdy so we could be more nerdy. Help us pay one bill a month. More <laughs> money equals more nerdy. The shirts are shipping. Yes. The shirts fit great. I'm, I'm, yeah. loving, I'm loving my uh, They Ate That Lady shirt for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we'll wear that one at church. <laughs> 
My stuff's all at Adam the Skull, but if you're looking for the podcast on social media, you can find us on Instagram at ThankTheMakerPod, on Twitter at ThankTheMaker. And if you want to support this podcast, get access to the Discord, vote on these polls, do AMA live streams and hangouts like we did on May the 4th, Patreon.com slash ThankTheMakerPod is where you can do that. We appreciate the hell out of it. It's just three bucks to get access to the Discord. You could do a whole year. All at once. A mere $36. That gets you access. We hang out. We talk about stuff. But if you want to be a Jedi tier patron, 15 bucks a month, that gets you access to the after show content like we're about to do with some more speculation that we don't put out here in these uh, public episodes. My crazy, crazy. Could I be clickbaity? My my theory is so crazy. Oh, my goodness. It's is it connected least- to the Willowverse? <laughs> It might be. I don't know. It's so crazy. (laughs) Sweet. All right. Everybody, thank you for listening. Patrons, thank you for being patrons. We'll catch you on the after show. And until next week with more Bad Batch, may the force be with you. 